Welcome to the official podcast of the Love Times 2 Project. Change the culture and the politics will follow. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We have a very special guest on the show this week. We're going to be talking about something that just happened that has major implications in a lot of different areas. But she's the brand new CEO of the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs. She's a longtime colleague and one of the most significant next generation leaders on the pro-life stage right now in the United States. Dr. Christina Francis, welcome back to the Love Times 2 podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, hey, before we dive into a troubling event that just happened that uh, I just want you to share with our listeners and, and we're going to have uh, some discussion on that. I just want to say congratulations on your new role as the CEO of APLOG. That's a really huge accomplishment. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you so much. It's a, a huge position to step into. Some of your listeners have probably heard of Dr. Donna Harrison, our outgoing CEO. So she has been an amazing mentor and friend to me over the last several years, was a big reason actually why I came off of the mission field in Kenya and came back to the States to to start doing pro-life work. So, so thankful for her and feel a huge sense of responsibility, but it's a, it's an honor to lead APLOG sort of into the next phase, I think, of, of our work to support pro-life medical professionals. Well, I think it's really clear, at least, uh, you know, as, as I've seen you in a lot of different capacities. God's been preparing you for this moment. So the stage has been set. A lot of the experiences, everything, all the experiences prior to this have just led you to the moment. So you're perfectly prepared for this. I know it's in God's hands. I know he opened this up for you. So I'm really excited to see where this is going to go for you and how you're just going to lead this organization at a really critical time. Because culturally right now, and we've been talking a lot about this on the podcast, uh, since particularly since the reversal of Roe in June of 2022, the landscape has changed dramatically. So for anyone listening who thought, hey, I thought Roe, the, the reversal of Roe ended this. Why are you guys still talking about it? Anything but. It's just a brand new chapter. And now the whole abortion discussion and debate is expanding in so many different areas right now. So in many ways, it just uh, really accelerated a lot of this discussion across the United States and in, you know, in everybody's circles of influence. But we're seeing this right now, and this is what we're going to talk about today in the medical community. So let's talk about something that just happened. Now, we hear a lot about cancellation and culture and, and all this type of right. thing. But, you know, in my eyes, it looks like this was an attempt made to cancel a pro-life viewpoint amongst OBGYNs, especially APLOG. So walk us through what just happened. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just recently, uh, just within the last couple of weeks, I had already traveled to uh, National Harbor, Maryland, so the D.C. area, uh, for a conference that we were supposed to be exhibiting at. And this is a conference that we have exhibited at every year for the last 15 years. It's a really important conference put on by a council of ACOG, the American College of OBGYNs, who is a professional medical organization who claims to represent all OBGYNs in the U.S. and in fact, is is how APLUG started. We started as a special interest group within ACOG, a pro-life special interest group, when they filed a pro-abortion amicus brief in the Roe and Doe cases back in 1973. And so we were a special interest group within ACOG until 2013 and then became our own organization. Uh, but so we were going to exhibit at this conference that, that essentially is put on by ACOG. And the reason this conference is so important is because it's a conference for medical educators. 
doctors. So physicians who are educating medical students when they do their OB rotations, as well as OBGYN residents. So these are the physicians that are molding and shaping the next generation of OBGYNs. Um, so very important that they be exposed to the medical evidence really on both sides of this issue and, and you know, understand the medical evidence that shows the harms of abortion to women as they teach this next generation. And so we were already in town ready to exhibit. We'd actually paid for our exhibit booth last year at the end of April, so almost a full year ago. And we were informed just a few days before the conference started, literally in the email, it said that our exhibit booth had been canceled. So I like to avoid that slang of cancel culture, but literally in the email we got, it said that our booth had been canceled. Yeah, well, thank you, you were canceled. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and we weren't even told by ACOG themselves, which has been one of the most disheartening things to me. We were told by their third-party vendor, you know, the event management company that was handling their exhibitors, um, that we had been canceled and the only reason we were given at the time uh, was that we had violated one of a list of policies, which essentially boiled down to the fact that we disagreed with ACOG. But we had more questions for ACOG because our position on abortion has not changed in the last 15 years. And yet we've been able to exhibit there every year prior to this. And so, you know, our question for ACOG is, one, what changed in the last year that all of a sudden you were not allowing us to exhibit when you have before? And two, why are you afraid of having uh, someone who's pro-life there who's going to present medical evidence, nothing that we say, nothing that we, um, none of our booth materials that we put at our exhibit booth uh, is not evidence-based. And so, you know, we just wanted the opportunity to uh, speak to the attendees of this conference and let them know the evidence that supports the pro-life position. There may be some listeners that are thinking, okay, well, maybe they canceled APLOG's booth because, or APLOG, I'm sorry, I keep saying APLOG. That's, oh, APLOG's That's okay. booth. Maybe you guys had some type of radical materials there or something that you were doing that really was offensive or stuff like that. So uh, tell the listeners, what does APLOG what do you normally make available at your booth as you've done this in previous conferences? Yeah, that's a great question. So nothing that we um, were going to take, which they didn't even ask to review our booth materials. You know, if they had significant concerns, we would have been happy to to send them our booth materials ahead of time. But typically when we exhibit at medical conferences like this, we have uh, the research that we have published, the, the compilation research documents that we've put together based on the medical literature that talks about um, abortions harms on our patients and on our profession. So the big things that we typically talk about are um, the increased risk of preterm birth and future pregnancies due to abortion, the increased risk of adverse mental health outcomes due to abortion, and just the impact in general that it has on our profession and um, the importance for medical professionals to be able to practice according to Hippocratic principles. So a lot of people have probably heard of the Hippocratic Oath, the, the oath that doctors take. That oath actually expressly forbids ending the lives of our patients, and it expressly forbids abortion. And so we want to help return the practice of medicine to those Hippocratic principles. Um, and, there, you know, there's even good evidence out there to say why that's so important in the practice of medicine. And so that was all that we would have been exhibiting. Um, we are not radical folks, you know, we're, we're physicians. I think physicians in general tend to be um 
you know, pretty well behaved. So, uh, so, you know, we certainly have never caused issues at this conference in the past. There's never been confrontations, nothing that they could point to of disruptive behavior or anything like that, that would have justified excluding us from the conference. And actually a, a reporter, uh, got ACOG on record the week of the conference, specifically saying that we were excluded purely because we were pro-life. Well, that says a lot right there. Now, you've challenged or it's been reported that you challenged the head of ACOG to debate on the impact of abortion on women's health, which I would think that is a a discussion that needs to occur on a regular basis within the OBGYN community. And in fact, uh, the quote that I have here says, this is uh, the quote I have from you, I will meet her anytime, any place so that we can present both sides of the issue and allow not only the general public, but also the next generation of physicians to decide for themselves what the evidence supports. That's the challenge you issued. How's that gone so far? Um, yes. So we we issued that challenge because we know that scientific advancement and progress is made through scholarly debate and the free exchange of ideas. And ACOG has completely shut that down. They want the next generation of physicians to think that this is a settled issue, that that all OBGYNs endorse their view that abortion is healthcare. And that's simply not the case. Um, we have not heard back from them. They, again, they haven't even requested our, or answered our request for more information about why we were excluded from the conference. But we are hoping that with continued outrage that we've been hearing from medical professionals. You know, we've gotten many emails from our members, from other OBGYNs who aren't even members who have said, I've been dissatisfied with ACOG for so long and they are bullying their members on the issue of abortion. So thank you for standing up for us. Um, last week, I believe it was, we had um, members of Congress, five members of Congress who joined together in a joint statement telling ACOG that they should not be silencing pro-life voices. And in fact, uh, Representative Chip Roy's office has has said that they will refuse to meet with anyone from ACOG until ACOG apologizes to us and allows pro-life voices to be heard. And so we're hoping that with continued pressure from the public who thinks that, you know, both sides of this issue need to be heard, that uh, that Dr. Phipps, Dr. Maureen Phipps, who's the CEO of ACOG, will respond because, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for an argument. What I want is for us to have a respectful uh, exchange of ideas and a respectful debate on the merits, on the scientific merits of the pro-life position and of her position. And again, to let people then decide, you know, especially physicians in training, they need to understand how to critically evaluate medical evidence and medical literature. And that's what we're asking for is to give them that opportunity to do that. Certainly a, a fair ask for sure. Now, I, I think it's fair to say that ACOG has been quite activist for some time on supporting abortion. I mean, this isn't something that just came out of the blue. This is a new event. This is something that uh, certainly has has taken everything to a new level. But ACOG's track record on abortion hasn't been great. Is that fair to say? That's very fair to say. And, you know, and again, going back to why APLOG was founded, we our special interest group within ACOG was founded because we saw the leadership of ACOG with a top-down push without talking to their membership start to go in a more pro-abortion direction even back in 1973. And that, that move towards being radically pro-abortion has just intensified in the last decade or so. In, in 2008, they issued an ethics statement, their ethics statement 385 that said that you are an unethical physician if you will not perform or refer for abortion or if you won't do that, if you won't relocate your practice to within 20 miles of someone who will. 
Um, You know, we push back against that actually. And that's where a lot of the federal conscience protections that physicians now have came from was because of us pushing back against that. And then certainly since the Dobbs decision, they have just ramped up their, their pro-abortion advocacy. And that's really what it is. You know, they, they started a political action committee in 2010 and began at that time to force their members to financially support their political lobby. And that's actually why I left ACOG as a dues paying member because they refused to uh, let me be a member without financially supporting their pro-abortion lobby. And so I, I left. It's why many other people have left as well. They have never supported a single abortion restriction, not even common sense abortion restrictions. They opposed the partial birth abortion ban. They opposed um, they opposed admitting privilege requirements that would require abortionists to have admitting privileges so that they could manage their own complications for continuity of care for our patients. And they support really dangerous practices like self-managed abortions, you know, the DIY abortions with abortion pills without women even being seen in person by a physician. So they really have prioritized this political agenda of supporting abortion with no restrictions over women's health. And that's really what we're pushing back against to say that our patients deserve better health care than this. At the minimum, if our patients are going to choose abortion, they deserve fully informed consent about the risks related to abortion. And that's, you know, what we were going to present at this conference. And so they just have become so radical on the issue of abortion that they really do not represent their membership. We know that anywhere between 86 and 93% of OBGYNs do not perform abortions. They would if they believed that it's essential health care, but they don't. And so, you know, ACOG really has just, again, prioritized this political agenda over women's health, over women's lives, and over the lives of our fetal patients as well. Well, I think it's important for everyone to understand. I'm seeing this, you're seeing this. Those of us who are in different leadership positions, uh, we can uh, testify to the fact that since the Dobbs ruling, there are so many different things happening right now and maybe some things that were happening before, but they're being ramped up to a different level. And one of the things that I'm seeing, the quote unquote mainstream medical community now uh, in the post Dobbs world is really embracing and coming out to the forefront more uh, trying to push abortion and major universities are going to be doing that as well. So in a way, what happened uh, with the Dobbs ruling was one of the shifts. And again, this is just in, in my perspective, is that the the normal organizations, let's put it that way, that someone might think, well, when you think of abortion, you think of maybe a Planned Parenthood or you think of mm-hmm. fill in the blank, you know, one of the abortion businesses and so forth. But now that uh, seems to be in some circles being replaced by mainstream medical voices that are coming forward and advocating for abortion that may have stayed in the background a little bit more prior to the Dobbs ruling. So there are many different things that are happening right now. And what we talk about on this podcast a lot is what are the cultural indicators? What is the impact on the culture? And Francis Schaeffer, one of the legendary Christian thinkers from the 70s and the 80s, frequently warned that culture shifts are driven by the arts and by the sciences and then popular mm-hmm. cultures down the ladder. But the arts and the scientists, the sciences and the universities, the educators, 
that's where culture change really starts to explode. And then it works downward until it seeps in to the popular culture. But his point was always that it is a top-down movement that drives the culture down until it eventually gets to uh, what Schaefer called the line of despair. But I see shades of what Schaefer was talking about back then. I see shades of that here in one sector of the medical community trying to silence an opposing view. And when we see that happening, that's a, it's an indicator of a much larger cultural struggle that's going on. So are you concerned that this type of canceling will lead to even more challenges to pro-life doctors? In other words, this year it may be you can't have a booth at our conference. What are some of the implications going forward if this type of, of really shutting down of an opposing view, what would be uh, sort of things that new generation doctors coming up might have to have a lot of concerns about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're right. This is really um, indicative of a much larger problem that's going on within within the medical profession, specifically within the field of OBGYN. So, um, you know, like you said, a lot of people may hear this and think, well, you know, what's really what's the big deal? You just couldn't exhibit at a conference where maybe a few hundred physicians were going to be. Um, but it is, a, again, an indicator of what's going on on a much larger scale. So what we have seen is um, this past summer, right after the Dobbs decision came out, our board certification entity, which is actually more important than ACOG, the American Board of OBGYNs is who board certifies OBs. Um, I can't practice at my hospital without being board certified. So if my board certification is taken away, I'm out of a job, uh, not just here in Indiana, but you know wherever I would try to get a job. And the American board came out and said, if any of their uh, board diplomats were caught spreading mis or disinformation about abortion, that their board certification could come under review and potentially be revoked. This was about two weeks after they had issued a statement in response to Dobbs saying that abortion is essential health care. So um, while they did not clarify what what constitutes mis or disinformation, I don't think it's too hard to read between the lines of what they would consider to be mis or disinformation. Um, on that, Applog actually sent them a pretty strongly worded letter from one of our lawyers, um, you know, asking for clarification because this was a very significant threat to be making to OBGYNs and um, crickets. They have not said anything. Um, but what we did see immediately was a chilling effect on OBs. You know, we had OBs who were in the midst of writing op-eds about the Dobbs decision who then called us and said, I'm really sorry, but I don't feel like I can do that now. And I don't blame them. You know, these are people that are working hard to provide for their families and they may be the sole breadwinner in their family. Family, and now they're looking at being out of a job if they open up their mouths to speak the truth of what they know to be best for their patients. And so um, so it has had the chilling effect uh, in many ways that I think that the American board intended it to. So that's just one example of, um, you know, we already have swaths of this country that are considered maternity care deserts where there's not an OBGYN, you know, for several hundred miles even sometimes. And now if we cause all pro-life OBGYNs to have to leave the profession and then not go into the profession anymore for students, that's going to have a direct impact on patient care um, and not just patients who are pro-life. You know, there'll be patients who won't be able to find a physician when they need one. We know that medical students are self-selecting out of the field of OBGYN if they're pro-life because they're worried that they're going to be pressured into form performing an abortion. So we are seeing a drop in the number of people going into OBGYN 
because they're afraid of that pressure. And their fear is not misplaced. Um, if just a few years ago, the another accrediting body, the ACGME, who accredits medical training programs, changed their requirements for OB training programs from abortion training being opt-in, which meant it was not considered standard part of the curriculum, but if a, a resident wanted abortion training, that the program had to provide a way for them to get that training. Um, that's how it was when I went through my training and not a single person in my residency opted into abortion training. Now it has switched to being opt out, meaning it's standard curriculum and you as the lowly intern, you know, who has your entire career ahead of you, you have to tell the person who's determining the course of your career that you don't want to do something that's considered a standard part of your curriculum. As you can imagine, that sets up an extremely coercive environment um, where many students students that I've talked to even have felt so intimidated that they went ahead and observed an abortion when they really were not okay with that. And that causes a lot of trauma for them. And that's why students are are shying away from going into OBGYN. So, you know, this will have a ripple effect for years if this is allowed to continue. But, you know, the, the threat to physicians right now is so high um, that there are very few people who are willing to stand up to this and, and to speak out about it. And so that's what we're trying to do at Applog. We're trying to be a voice. You know, we always talk about in the pro-life movement being a voice for the voiceless. And certainly the most voiceless amongst us are our preborn patients, you know, followed closely by our, our maternal patients who oftentimes feel backed into a corner. But I also, to maybe a lesser extent, but still see so many physicians and physicians in training as being somewhat voiceless in this because of all the threats that they're facing right now. And so we really are trying to speak up for them. Obviously, this is something that is a great concern to pro-life doctors. But frankly, when you look at the whole issue of free discourse and thought and discussion and speech mm-hmm. and talking about things like abortion's impact on women's health, you would really think that a physician, regardless of their position on abortion, they may have no problem with it or they may categorize themselves as uh, pro-choice or whatever label they want to put on it. But you would think there would still be a concern amongst all physicians when mm-hmm. there is there is an effort to shut down opposing viewpoints and to have open and honest dialogue on things. So I, I think every physician should have concern with this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and even, you know, just as a perfect example of that, I've, I've spoken with some of my colleagues who are pro-choice about some of the things that ACOG has been pushing for lately, um, like the no visit abortions where women aren't screened for their gestational age or an ectopic pregnancy before they're given the abortion drugs. And they recognize, even though they consider themselves, um, to be, you know, essentially pro-abortion, they recognize how dangerous that is. So you're right. I mean, we should be able to openly discuss these things, talk about the, again, the medical evidence, talk about the very real risks that are there, because at the very least, a woman who is going to make a choice to have an abortion should at least have fully informed consent. That's a basic tenet of medical ethics. And it's something basic to what we do as physicians each and every day. Well, hey, we're talking to Dr. Christina Francis, who's the CEO of the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs. Uh, Christina, you've given us a lot of information uh, on some things that hopefully uh, will cause people to think very deeply on this, but particularly those in the medical professions. Um, let's let's wind this up. How, how can pro-life doctors make their voices heard on this specific outrage by ACOG, but also uh, get involved 
uh, with APLOG and find out how they can get involved and, and really join with other pro-life physicians in a unified voice. Well, how can how can doctors do that? Yeah, well, it is so important. And I'll, I'll start by saying that I understand that physicians are busy and we just want to take care of our patients. And so I think it's easy to sort of ignore some of this other stuff that's going on if, if it doesn't seem like it impacts you directly or if it impacts your patient care. But what I would say is that Mike is a hundred percent right. Since the Dobbs decision, our job has multiplied times a thousand. And so we need people to join with us. One, you should join with us because because your right to practice life-affirming medicine is actively being eroded in this country by our major medical organizations, by the abortion industry, and by those who don't know that there are two sides to this issue. And so APLOG is trying to serve as a second medical opinion. So one, I would say join us. You can join if you want to just sort of test the waters a little bit and see what we're about. You can join for free as an associate member. We'd love to have you as a dues-paying member because we are fighting for your rights, again, to practice medicine. We um, were a plaintiff in the case against the EMTALA regulation changes that would have tried to turn emergency rooms into abortion facilities, essentially, by the Biden administration. We got an injunction, but the only people protected by that are those who are members of the plaintiff organizations, of which APLOG is one. So there are definite benefits to you to be a dues-paying member of APLOG. Um, but also we can't continue to do what we're doing if without you, without our members. Uh, we want to be there for you. We want to equip you with the evidence that you need to defend the lives of your patients in your practice. And if you're willing in the public square, we have a lot of resources that we offer our members as well to be able to equip you um, to speak to your legislators, to speak uh, to your hospital administrators if you need to do that, and to know how to speak to your colleagues and your patients as well. And I would say that it is so important for pro-life doctors to be showing up in the public square because I guarantee you our state legislators are hearing from ACOG. They need to hear that ACOG's position on abortion does not represent the medical evidence and does not represent the vast majority of OBGYNs and other physicians who are providing maternity care for patients. So um, please join us. You can find out more information by going to our website, which is aaplog.org. And we've got lots of great resources, practice guidelines, just compilation of the medical evidence um, that you can find at the website. Great information. Hey, thank you for your tireless work with APLOG. You're doing far more to advance compassion for moms and protection for unborn children than most people will ever know. And I can just say you're making a tremendous difference at a time when difference makers are really desperately needed in our world today. So, Dr. Christina Francis, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much, Mike. Hey, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. And for every pro-life physician who is able to listen to this, uh, I hope that you take advantage of this opportunity to get involved with APLOG, both with your financial support and anything that you can do to be involved in the public square. This is really a critical time right now for you to do that. And I really hope for all listeners that this has been an episode that really has been uh, deeply thought-provoking to you. So help others to know about this by sharing this episode with your friends. Hey, never forget change the culture and the politics will follow thanks for listening to the official podcast of the love times two project be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and never forget change the culture and the politics will follow